Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen and today we're talking to Alistair Gray. He's a mindfulness and mindset expert, the founder of Mindful Talent and Realize Resilience. So he knows all about meditation, mindfulness and how we can use those to relieve stress and get a better sense of what we want in our lives. So Ali, how are you doing at the moment with all the pandemic etc stuff happening i'm really really well you know i mean given the circumstances i think you know it's been a, a roller coaster at different points for so many different people but you know on the whole from you know a personal perspective i've kind of enjoyed slowing down <laughs> and mm. and um and so yeah we're feeling you know grateful for the time with family and uh and especially with my young my young daughter, who's four years old, so I've I've enjoyed immensely the time I've been able to spend with her. You're not the only person I've heard say that. People are saying like they've actually enjoyed just going. Okay, I could work from home for a bit. I can take some time to reflect and, you know, adjust my life a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think for so many people, you know, being afforded that space and time from you know outside of what is typically the daily routine or the weekly routine, it kind of makes you reflect on things. And it definitely shines a light on the things that, you know, you you love to do. And it also shines a light on the things that maybe, you know, weren't serving you quite so well. So, you know, I've, I've went through that whole experience on a personal level. And I think I've come out the other side feeling much more aligned and focused and uh, and grateful, you know, for a lot of the things that, that you have in life and often take for granted when you're running so fast. Ali, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do before we get straight into the advice? Definitely. So obviously, um, Ali or Alistair Gray, and I founded a company called Mindful Talent back in 2015. And since then, you know, essentially we went on to create a second business, which is a Mindful Talent Coaching Academy. But ultimately this began um, when I, you know, went through quite a, a holistic uh, transformation myself following 
you know, I, I suppose different paths related to meditation, mindfulness, spirituality, and then ultimately leading into a career within coaching. So Mindful Talent is essentially a coaching organization that helps, you know, organizations and individuals to thrive in life, to optimize their experience, and also to help, you know, develop more cohesive, uh, harmonious, you know, working environments. So on a personal note, I do a lot of work with CEOs, founders, co-founders, senior executives, and, you know, work with companies of all shapes and sizes. So everything from the first time CEO at a startup, um, all the way through to Fortune 500 companies uh, like Google and Nike and other organizations that we've supported. So it's a real, you know, a real mix of clients. And I think, you know, in addition to the coaching, where we've really um, been delivering a lot of work recently is around employee wellness and well-being. How did you get into that? That's quite an unusual kind of career. It is an unusual career. And I think when I tell mm. the story, you know, there's got to be a, a definitely, a, I always ask for an open mind because, you know, even five and a half years ago, I would never have imagined being in the career that I am now and, and doing what I'm doing. And um, really it started with, you know, meditation 10 years ago. I was working in, you know, London. I was part of a, a, a marketing company and my role was, you know, head of product development and partnerships. And, you know, really the pressures of that job working within an agency led me to, to, to trying to seek and find a way that I could feel better within myself. And, you know, meditation, I always say that it found me. And really that was the start of what now feels like a, you know, a pretty cool, but very weird and wonderful journey. So that was the start of it. And then, you know, five years on from that experience, I was really, you know, investing a lot of time and energy into daily meditation, but I was becoming fascinated with Eastern philosophy and, you know, mysticism and looking at lots of different religions, including, you know, Buddhism and Taoism. And, and, um, and then I had an experience with a shaman <laughs> and it, okay. and it just, Shifting. I see why you lost the open mind now. That's good. <laughs> this is a part where people either turn off or they're like, wow, they're right. This is weird. Mm. But it was, it was, you know, I, I've participated in a shamanic healing ceremony and it just profoundly shifted my life and my perspective of life. And it led me to, you know, the realization that I, I really held a deep rooted desire to, to help people. You know, I wanted mm. to help people and I wanted to contribute and I felt very aligned to that is is my purpose and so you know I began working with the weird and the wonderful the mentors the shamans the healers the coaches and and then you know I met my now wife who was training as a coach at the time when I met with her and she suggested that I should you know speak to her coach trainer who you know five years later is now my business partner at the Mindful Talent Coaching Academy so it was a very holistic and unexpected route to this career it wasn't mm. something that was really planned out, but it was, you know, much more of an intuitive kind of sense of a calling, if you want to call it that. <laughs> How is it that um, meditation and mindfulness kind of helped you initially? What is it that you discovered about it that kind of clicked and was like, yeah, this is the thing that I really am passionate about? I think what was interesting is when it was first suggested to me, you know, to try meditation, I, you know, I actually resisted it for quite some time. I said it wasn't mm. for me. I said, there's no way I can stop my overthinking mind. And, you know, I probably had so many misconceptions about what meditation actually is. I never fully understood it. And then, you know, when 
at the time, the, the person who encouraged me to meditate uh, continued to persist with that suggestion. You know, I finally kind of gave in. And what happened was it was quite interesting, but it was, you know, almost a Trojan horse approach because they said to me, there's a guy called Deepak Chopra <laughs> who runs mm -hmm. a 21-day challenge, meditation challenge. I think, you know, you should give it a go. And it was the word challenge that probably played to my alpha male <laughs> masculine tendency. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take up the challenge. I'm going to do this. Mm. And, you know, I began meditating. I think I'd done around 20 of the 21 days on that experience. And although I never wanted to admit it at the time, but I was feeling better, you know, and, and what's really interesting is on those audios, it was guided meditation, which lasted around 20 minutes you know, I would hear probably the first word and then my mind would go off into thinking about the day, life, you know, things to come, worries, concerns. So I never thought the meditation was doing anything because I was, in my mind, I was unpresent. I was, you know, thinking about everything else. But at the end of that experience, I definitely felt better. And what I realized is that although I never thought the, the benefits were instantaneous, there was just this general feeling like I was more relaxed. I was calmer, definitely felt less stress. And over time, you know, over the next six to 12 months from that initial experience, whenever I felt stressed, that was my kind of trigger to go back and practice with Deepak Chopra's guided meditations again. And, and only upon leaving London, you know, where I, I went to travel through the West Coast of America and Central America for a period because I had so much time on my hands, I began meditating daily. And really my thinking was, you know, if this can help me in moments of crisis or when I feel stressed, what would happen if I'd just done it every single day? Mm. You know, what would be the benefits? And so initially it was helping me to reduce stress, helping me to feel more calm. Um, but over time, as I practiced it more and more, it then, you know, contributed to, to just living a, a, a more happy, joyful, beautiful existence. And it filtered out into every area of life, uh, which I found quite profound and, and surprising at the same time. I think what you said about kind of a moment of crisis and stress bringing you into it is really important because I think a lot of people in the pandemic have experienced, you know, terrible mental health impact of it and have started turning to mindful and, mindfulness and meditation as a result. But I was wondering, kind of as we come out of lockdown, I think people are starting to experience a new kind of stress, which is the stress of kind of going back to this normal that's still scary and going back to work and going out into the public. Have you noticed that speaking to any of your clients that people are finding it stressful to kind of go back to work and go back to the old way of life? De definitely. And it, it showed up a lot and, and probably showed up in myself as well. You know, when you start, mm. I think as human beings, you get comfortable in your environment. And naturally, when any sort of change shows up and begins to occur, you know, you, you can kind of almost move into that fight or flight. You can almost feel threatened by that change. So, you know, I've noticed that a lot with within clients at various different levels. And mm. and I think it really is that. I think it's that we're going through a change at the moment where there's largely still a huge amount of uncertainty, you know, even from the experts. And so, of course, whenever you have uncertainty and change, it's going to provoke you know, internal resistance, doubt, insecurity, you know, some fear, 
which will show up as you know potentially anxiety or stress or other other mental health challenges so i've definitely noticed it but i'm also not surprised by it because you know i think especially over the past 16 to 20 weeks or however long we've been in lockdown now you know that has Sounds just like been forever. a lot of uncertainty if i was going to say i don't even know if that's accurate <laughs> now <laughs> it's probably been way longer no, i'm never sure but, uh, i always think like oh the last year <laughs> however long it's been. yeah it's kind of all rolled into one <laughs> Exactly. I think one kind of scenario that I've heard people are experiencing stress is going back into kind of public places, getting public transport again, being around crowds and suddenly feeling quite aware of like there's still this, you know, pandemic going on. It's quite scary. Do you have any advice to people who are maybe feeling a bit uneasy about going out into public and crowded places? Yeah, I I think, you know, there's a few things I would say is that one we often feel this kind of peer pressure or societal pressure to, you know, to to do things. And I think there's a balance to be found between, you know, listening to what is right for you and what feels, you know, comfortable enough. Um, and then also, you know, if if you're making the decision to travel, then taking time to think what would help me to to manage, you know, my own experience as I do so. And so I, I think first of all, questioning, you know, the motives for, for, for returning to travel or to public places, you know, is this coming from me and, and something that I inherently feel like I want to do and that I, you know, that I wish to do? Um, is it being imposed because it's from my employer or from other circumstances? And is it just a necessity? And once mm-hmm. you establish that, it may make it easier to make a decision or a choice around whether it's necessary or not. It is necessary and there is still anxiety present then, you know, preparing for that journey, what's going to make you feel more at ease? You know, what what things can you put in place that are going to support you as you move through that experience? So whether that's choosing your time of travel, whether it's choosing, you know, the public place that you go to, or if you're arranging meetings, you know, where's going to be best suited to help you feel more at ease? I think preparation is is one of the keys. And, you know, beyond that, you can then do, you know, mental and emotional preparation through meditation is one of the ways that we've talked about or through breath work or through simply being aware of you know whenever that anxiety is coming up to take a pause to stop and just allow the mind and the breath to settle and and you know relax relax yourself into the moment so it's it's probably awareness is is fundamental to that whole process that i just described yeah and i think being kind of prepared for it to not be easy or for it to feel a bit stressful because I think so many people imagine oh I'm just doing something I did fine months ago so it'll be fine now just being prepared for it to be a bit difficult exactly so so I think that preparation of the mind you know this is going to likely be a bit different you know notice notice how I feel pay attention to how I feel and um and you know I often I often think about how, how how do you best prepare and some people say prepare for the worst and some people say prepare for the best but but I think I think if you're just aware of how you're feeling is is the best first step you can take when we've got a distracted mind you know I think that often compounds some of that anxiety so if you know if we're moving so fast through life being aware of how we're feeling and then being able to adjust our mental and emotional state is the most difficult thing so I, I think you know taking time, pausing, reflecting uh, and, and being aware of your emotions as you move through the day is, is important. Are there any kind of mindfulness techniques or breathwork techniques specifically that we could try before we 
you know, head out of the house and go straight back into quite what can be quite a scary situation. Yeah, there's there's so many now. And and I think one of the most, you know, obvious and easiest ones is is that the breath is such a physical thing. You know, my good good friend and uh, best mate growing up is Stuart Sandman from Breathpod. So I've been fortunate. Oh, we to had him. <laughs> we had him on the show before. So big fan of you. Stuart. Yeah. So, he's so Stuart, he's amazing. And Stu and I are from Edinburgh. So we've grown up together as best mates from, from 16. And, you know, we've had the, the great experience of going through this journey together. And, you know, the amazing thing about the breath is that you can, you can in any moment change your state by focusing on the breath. And I think one of the most simple and, and easiest ways um, prior to leaving the house is just to connect to taking some deeper breaths into the belly, into the diaphragm, and and then you know allowing that breath and that exhale to be longer than the inhale. So you know if you take six deep diaphragmatic breaths and then you exhale slower than the inhale, naturally you're going to begin to settle. You know the the cortisol, the adrenaline that's running through the body, and so breath work is a really great way. And I think in a similar vein, also simply closing down the eyes, observing the breath. And then counting the breath is another great way, is a form of meditation. So breathing in for one, out for two, in for three, out for four. And, and again, those two simple techniques are really, really, you know, accessible and easy to apply, even for the, the beginner, the novice breath, breath or meditation uh, student. But they, they have quite a significant impact on how you feel. I'm always amazed at what a difference it does make just actually counting the breaths and slowing it down. It's amazing. And it's yeah, the hardest it's really part powerful. is remember <laughs> the hardest part is remembering to do it. I think one thing is if everyone can do that before they leave the house, that would definitely be helpful. But if someone is out already and they start feeling the panic coming on, is there anything they can do in the moment? Uh, especially if, for example, they can't remove themselves from that situation, say they're on public transport and it's a bit more crowded than they anticipated. Yeah, and 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 again, I would I would say that the tools that I mentioned before are, are great for that. You know, now where it may be more difficult is you know to do a, an obvious exhale or an obvious inhale <laughs> or to close your eyes. You know, it might be depending upon the environment, you might feel more uncomfortable doing that. But again, mm. you can simply pay attention to the breath. You know, begin to notice where your breath is. Is it in your chest? Is it short and shallow? You know, and what will happen if I just take a few you know, deeper breaths? And what would happen if I allow my mind to slow down a bit and allow myself to be fully present? And, you know, one of the ways for me from a, a conscious and awareness perspective and, and a lot of the work that I do from a coaching clients is, you know, how, how can you bring awareness in the moment by asking questions of yourself? You know, so am I noticing that my breath is, you know, feeling feeling anxious? Am I noticing that I'm feeling anxious? And th there's an incredible tool in neuroscience um, and technique called affect labeling. And essentially affect labeling is when you're able to notice and observe your emotions and then label them or name them. And being able to do that, you automatically remove yourself from the emotion itself. You become the observer to the emotion, which gives you the opportunity to, to create a choice, how you respond to that, how you react to it. And so, you know, I've found a lot of the time noticing and paying attention and asking questions of our 
experience in the moment is a great way to then create choice to potentially, you know, breathe a little bit deeper or to, to follow the breath and count the breath. Mm, yeah, I think just acknowledging what you're feeling is hugely important. I like that the term you use, which is affect labeling, which I think is a really useful one. I think there was another kind of similar question I wanted to ask, which my mom actually asked me the other day. <laughs> so she was saying that um, when she wears a face mask, when she's out and about, she knows logically that she can absolutely breathe through a face mask, but she starts to worry, like, can I breathe? Am I going to get anxious wearing it? And kind of psychs herself out so much that she then is struggling to breathe and feeling really anxious. Have you have you heard of other people experiencing this? And what can people do to become more comfortable and calm when they are wearing a mask? You know, it's interesting. I've not actually heard of this, but now that you said it, it doesn't surprise me that mm. that people would feel that you know I, I think there's probably a level of kind of claustrophobia or kind of the sensation of it feeling unnatural that we come into that experience and and I think going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the call you know preparing yourself is probably the best way now if you're feeling a little bit anxious about you know applying the mask and, and breathing with the mask in public maybe it's best to try it on at home and get comfortable with it you know, it's a mm. it's a bit like if you're going to do a public uh, talk or, a, you know, public speaking, you know, most of the time you practice it at home because you feel more comfortable. And then, <laughs> you know, you go out into the world and you do it and you still feel really uncomfortable because most people do when they do public speaking. But, you know, you end up becoming more comfortable because you've practiced and you've prepared at home. So, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Is it mm. a way that, you know, anyone who's feeling those sensations of, anxiety or uncomfortableness around wearing a mask you know is it possible to, to to wear the mask at home to get comfortable with it and through that process decide you know is this the best mask for me or, or are there others um you know can i breathe fully and through, you know once you practiced it and become comfortable with it then i would imagine it would make it much easier to then you know go out into the go out into the world with it yeah, I think it sounds weird to like sit on the sofa with it on, but it does make it feel more normal and less kind of a scary thing. So yeah, it's definitely something people can try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it might feel a little bit weird, but if it makes you feel a bit more comfortable, I'd, I'd say it's worth it. Or you know, doing the gardening. <laughs> yeah, can, no, that's you can try a good idea. Different situations. <laughs> exactly, and just kind of proving to yourself, no, like it's fine. I can breathe. I can keep doing what I'm doing. It's all good. My Absolutely. other question for you is because I know that you do a lot of work with kind of workplaces is now that people are starting to head back into the office, what can uh, employers do to make sure that employees are not feeling overwhelmed with you know everything that's going on? How can they make sure that they're looking after employees' mental health? Yeah, I think I think there's you know there's a real responsibility for the employer at the moment to to obviously lead the organization and employees with compassion and you know understanding at the heart of of you know what what is going on um mm. i think naturally you know and of course the the economy is looking to to be stimulated and and naturally a lot of businesses can only operate physically when you know teams are together and i think when that's the case it is saying you know what is going to make this easy for everyone what would this look like you know in a, in, in a in a situation where everyone will feel more comfortable they'll feel more connected they'll feel supported so i think it's considering you know how different people are going to react and you know asking questions of the organization say 
how are we going to support individuals when they come into this environment? You know, what support do we have on hand? You know, who can who can essentially help our leaders and 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 the people who are in management positions to be prepared for what might show up? You know, and again, there's a large part of that which is uncertain because different people are going to respond in different ways. But I do think there's a need for ongoing conversations within organisations, within senior leadership teams, and then as the situation unfolds, to constantly review and consider how can we make it, you know, comfortable, how can we make it um, adaptable, and how can we support our employees as the situation emerges and unfolds. Um, that that would certainly feel, you know, an important thing for organisations to consider. And I think from a mental health perspective, you know, the great thing about organisations now is that so many have invested into mental health training. So many organisations have an awareness of, you know, mental health. It's becoming less of a taboo subject. And I think the more open that leaders can be with their own vulnerabilities, the more open they can be with their own challenges, with their own concerns and their own anxieties, the more psychologically safe people are going to feel in that environment. So I think vulnerability from leadership, from organisations is is important. I think speaking honestly and openly will, again, give others the permission to do the same. And then, you know, to consider how do we respond when different situations unfold and emerge where people maybe react differently to how we expected. You're completely right in that this is such a new experience that we just don't know what's going to happen in a few months. And we could have, you know, issues popping up that we didn't anticipate. So it's so important to keep open and respond to individual people's issues. Totally. When, when we go into organisations, one of the first things for anyone who's ever been in our workshops, we, we start the workshop by saying, have an open mind, an open heart and an open will. Mm. <laughs> and, I th- and I think those three, you know, those, that philosophy and those three approaches will stand a lot of employers in good stead at the moment. And then my final question before I let you go and enjoy your evening is if people are listening to this and they want to start meditation, but kind of have no clue where to begin, what's a good kind of starting access point for them to try it out and see how it feels? I think guided meditation is, for me, the, the best place to start. Either mm-hmm. that or going to, you know, going to a class, whether that's online or, you know, in, in, in a physical location. But I really found the guide, the guidance of a teacher so beneficial. And, you know, I, I listened to Deepak Chopra. I often laughed, you know, just how much I probably, um, you know, worshipped Deepak Chopra <laughs> as a guru. He, you know, I've never met him before, but it feels like I know him so well because he's talked me through so many different stages of life. And mm-hmm. um, and I, th- I just found that guiding meditation was was the easiest way for me to to access it. And I think it's important to recognize that it is a practice. And when you first start out, it's likely it's going to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's likely you're probably not going to feel like it's doing anything or you're feeling the benefits, but it takes patience. And and I would recommend and encourage anyone who is feeling called to, to try meditation just to stick with it, you know, and find a teacher, find a guide, a voice that resonates with you and over time, you know, once you commit to the practice, you will begin to feel the benefits. So that that would be the recommendation. Guided, be patient, stick with it and trust the process.
If you've been struggling with any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123. You can also find them online at samaritans.org. You can find us online. We have a Twitter account, which is at MentallyYRS. And you can also join our lovely Facebook group, which is simply called Mentally Yours. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.